I can see a little challenge coming up here. Oh, heck, that went a bit far, didn't it? It did go a bit far there. That'll teach you. You know. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Izzy and Gina in Stitches, informal conversation about life in general and art and embroidery in particular with me, Izzy Moore. And me, Gina Ferrari. So, hi Gina, how are you? What have you been up to? I've been gardening because I have actually got my allotment this weekend. Fantastic! Which is really exciting. It's totally overgrown, but um, so I'm really starting from scratch. But I'm quite excited about it all. And I'm going to go for a totally organic, no dig approach, which also ties in with my diversion and discovery. So, yeah. Yes. Sounds very good. And is this a solitary project or is this a joint project with you and Stuart? Um, I think it's probably mine and I keep telling him things and keep saying, we'll have to have the compost delivered here to the house and then, well, you could bring it over in a wheelbarrow. And he's saying, oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I think he'll be involved, but it'll be largely me doing the growing. Yeah. He's not really a gardener. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I'm quite excited about that. Mm-hmm. And I've signed up to do a million steps. Wow. In aid of Diabetes UK this summer. It's three months. It's, it works out about 11,000 steps a day. So that's, that's doable. Yeah, it sounds a lot. But I suppose once you break it down into chunks, shorter walks. Yeah, most, most days I do nine or ten without much effort. And last week I was going out a lot and I, I was clocking up sort of 15,000, 16,000 steps some days. So. so do you have a Fitbit thing? Do you yes. have some sort of... I have a a Garmin, I think it is. Okay. Yeah, it's really irritating because if I sit down for more than an hour, it buzzes at me and says, time to get up and move. And sometimes I'm sitting there in the evening and I've done 16,000 steps during the day. I've been on my feet, active all day. And I'm just sat down and it's saying, time to move. I do swear at it. (laughs) I think I'd just take it off. I've started to do that in the evening. (laughs) Yeah, I used to have just a plain Fitbit that just counted my steps, but I lost it. Oh. <laughs> it came off. It, it was one of these that clipped in. It was quite old at the time. So, yeah. yeah. So does this clip to your clothes? Or do it's, you wear no, it it's a, a bracelet? On my, I'm showing you now. See, on my wrist, it's like a wristwatch. It's, it tells the time and it gives me my heartbeat. And oh, that's quite cool. Like that well. Yeah. Oh, I might have to look into getting one of those because we walk quite a lot around the fields around here and we looked it up my husband's got um oh some app that he uses to see um how far he cycled he doesn't log anything anymore and so we plotted out our walks around the field to see how far it was because it feels like quite a long way (laughs) it's just not as far as we think oh really you have to do several laps I think for (laughs) it to be significant but we do go at least twice a day and sometimes more as well and now Finally, summer seems to have arrived in the UK. Indeed. We're going to be doing a lot more. But it would be nice to get out. And uh, we have been walking around these same fields now continuously for over a year. Yeah, it's nice to change your route sometimes, isn't it? And walk other places. Yes, not just sort of walk around the pond the other direction. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good for you. That's fantastic. So how are you? What have you been up to? Oh, I am still on the seascapes, but we're on the home stretch. And so by the time this podcast comes out, I will be on the cusp of opening the doors, I hope. 
So yeah. my target was always midsummer. So I want to have doors open, if not actually on midsummer, then shortly after. Um, so that's just next week. And then to start the week after that. So there's well, a few things exciting. for yeah, mm-hmm. there's a few things for people to be getting on with and need to get all the materials and things together. So to know exactly which day it's going to be, <laughs> then people need to make sure they're signed up to my online courses newsletter. Right. Yeah. So that's all on my website for people to check that. So that's been occupying me just constantly, really. And also it was quite funny talking about procrastination last week. The reason in a way that I'm up against it with Seascapes is because I procrastinated possibly earlier on in the year. Really? Maybe. (laughs) So now um, I do have a lot to do, but also my deadline is actually shorter than it would have been because it was something that was in the back of my mind, but I wasn't sure whether I would have the extra week taken away from me because of going to do a thing or whether I would actually have that extra week to work. And I was more than half convinced that actually that would be an extra week where I could be still working on seascapes. Right. But it turns out that this thing might actually be a thing after all. Yeah, you've missed two weeks essentially then because you haven't got that extra week to work. and you, I haven't yeah. got the extra week yeah. to work and also I have to get ready to go and do the thing. <laughs> so um, by the time this podcast comes out, I will either be off doing my thing or I'll still be here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not 100%. You know, counting chickens because this is, you know, it's such a crazy time. And, you know, the situation changes all the time and the advice changes all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm working on the assumption that it is now a thing, a live, a live project. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And it's something also that even though we planned it 18 months ago, because everything's been so uncertain, it now feels like, oh, suddenly this is, this is something we have to get our heads around. Sure. But anyway, it's all very exciting and um, I'll talk more about it later, you know, another time. Okay. So, shall we move on to our main topic? Yes, please. Which has that very inspiring title, Stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's something we've probably touched on briefly before, haven't we? Because we've spoken about storage and organisation and things like that. I think we've talked about it a lot before because it does pop up. Um, in so many different aspects of creative life doesn't it indeed but we've had a request to actually do a podcast on stuff haven't we so we have yes (laughs) so I suppose let's start with talking about what stuff do we mean are we talking about raw materials or are we talking about our finished work are we talking about those teaching samples yeah Um, all of those (laughs) And how about mental clutter as well? All the stuff that rattles around in our heads. How about that? When, when we say our heads. <laughs> okay, my head. That's like a royal we. My it? head. All the stuff that's rattling around in my head. <laughs> so where on earth do we dive in with this one? Do we need it? Oh, I mean, I don't think we've got any answers. So I'm sorry if you're sort of thinking that we're going to solve your storage problems and your clutter problems because we're probably the wrong two people to talk to. Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, But, (laughs) well, we might have some tips later on when we talk about that. So, I mean, when you said, is it essential? Do we need it all? Um, How do you define that? 
I've always justified having like lots of fabrics and threads and all the other paraphernalia because I teach and so and you're in the same situation and you need various bits and pieces and you buy more and there's always stuff left and so on you need all the colors of threads and I just sometimes wonder whether we could get away with less because there's so much that doesn't get used yes it's that just in case isn't it so there's the basics so I always have calico bonderweb stitch and tear those are my basics and also a bobbin thread I've started using actually today oh have you I did have um, a Gutterman under thread a bobbin thread which has just run out this morning and I've started using one that the Barnyans people recommended. Apparently, it's their bestseller. Okay. Can't find it offhand. Well, I can, I could reach it. It's the just over there. So I can't remember the can't remember the brand. I've got a, a black and a white one that I think came from Barnyans. Do I know where they are? No. <laughs> this is sort of an ecru color. It's like right. an off white, and I've got a sort of grayish one. So almost like the way an invisible thread looks on the spool so it's very fine as well it looks very strong yeah. it goes further doesn't it yeah. yeah so you can get a lot and I've got these jumbo bobbins as well so I'm hoping I can just you know do hours and hours of stitch without ever running out of bobbin tip number one okay with stuff no point having these bobbin threads like me if you can't find them very true so okay should we do tips as we go yeah. along then yeah, because I, well, I haven't got any tips written down. Right. So it's just that just occurred to me, as I said, well, I've got some of this, but I don't know where it okay. is. Well, what's the point of that? So in terms of essentials, yeah. do you know exactly what, what are your essentials? So mine are Calico Bonderweb and a bobbin thread and okay. Stitch and Ted. I know exactly where those are. So my bobbin thread is in the second drawer down on my desk where my all-purpose threads are. And it's in the first little compartment. And I've made compartments. Oh, gosh, that sounds mm. so geeky. I have made. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> little because it's a desk, desk drawers from Ikea. And there wasn't a desk right. organizer that I found that worked. So I've made um, draw dividers using foam core. OK, I cut strips of foam core, made slits in it, and I slotted them all together to make these little cubbies. And the first one is my bobbin threads. So that's right by my sewing machine. And yeah. my bond web is rolled up and that is in a basket that hangs above my ironing board place. And my calico is in a plastic box above my desk and stitch and tears on a big roll underneath my desk. Yeah, calico. I've got meters and meters of it. And that comes back from when I was teaching city and guilds. And we used to have the end of year exhibition at Missenden Abbey. Oh, right. And we had to cover the tables for the students display. And I had to provide the calico. So I think at the time I bought something like 30 metres of calico. <laughs> so you're good for calico. I'm good for calico for the rest of my life, yes. <laughs> and that is probably cut up into smaller pieces and folded. I used to be so much that I had to store it in the cupboard above my bed years ago. But now I've got enough that, you know, I've, I have used it gradually. And it's in a drawer in my studio I use felt I back my work with felt an awful lot okay so All right that's interesting I have a stash of yeah black and white felt and some colors and bonderweb in a roll in a box that has rolls of all sorts of things really papers bonderweb and 
Pelmet Vileen I use okay. as well. I've always got a stash of Pelmet Vileen. Okay. So those are your essentials? Those are mine. So pretty similar. Yeah. Beyond that, you know, it's what have I got to hand? And you kind of make do with what you've got often, don't you? Yeah, because I, for me, a big part of what I do is recycled fabrics. So it started when I first started doing these creative embroidery courses, when I first started machine embroidery. Um, actually, you know, it's before that, really, when I first started messing around with my sewing machine, I used to keep pieces of fabric. I think my granny used to take me, there was a remnant shop in Harrogate, fantastic place. And she used to take me there and buy you know, quite big pieces of fabric, but it was really cheap mm. because it, it was end of roll or whatever. And that just got me into the habit of doing that. Right. And then, so when I first went off to Missenden Abbey and I needed to take a selection of fabrics, I just took these sort of random little pieces. I've never thrown any fabric away, I suppose, because I've always used little bits and pieces yeah. for various little projects and presents. And you do just accumulate, don't yeah. you? you? So because I keep these little scraps and I use all these little scraps and I like having a variety of different fabrics from various sources, I have a lot of very small pieces that I have to store. I don't tend to have... Um, big pieces of new fabric and in fact the pieces that I have that are new that I've bought new because I thought I was going to make a dress and I haven't made a dress mm. or because I've <laughs> seen them like end of roll pieces when I say new un, you know unused yes, yeah, end sure. of roll proper not they're recycled. still remnants yeah, yeah. yeah not recycled they're still remnants but they're almost too nice so I have a little stash of these nice fabrics right <laughs> and these linens and nice cottons and things and nice prints that I then don't use because they're too right. lovely. Yeah. So how about you? What sort of fabrics do you use? Okay. I have another drawer full of coloured silks. And I think that stems back to Missenden Abbey and doing samples as a student. Yeah. And I used to use little, I, I loved using little bits of silk for my samples. And I think Pam Watts used to use silk a lot, didn't she? So that, yes. that's probably what influenced me. And I used to buy these sort of sample packs from the silk route yes. um, in different colours. So I've still got quite a bit of that. I've got a lot of silk as well. And I haven't used it for ages. And I think it must be from the same era. Yeah, because they used to come, supplies used to come, and we used to buy it there often, didn't we, and things yes. like that. I mean, I have got some new fabrics I suppose I do have a drawer full of patchwork fabrics fat quarters okay which isn't that just ridiculous because I don't do patchwork I'm never really good I, I have an idea that I might one day but that's one of those things you know do we keep stuff because we might do something one day and I, I yeah I use them for applique and things like that so I do use them yeah because I yeah. have um because in my fabric drawers going back to my little geeky organization I've got these little um cubby things little boxy things from ikea the ones with the zip up bottoms and then they pop up and make a cube so oh, and you can yeah. put your socks in them and things like that so i've got lots of those little square ones and i've got all my little fabric scraps in there in two or three big drawers all these little cubby things mm -hmm. but then i've also got another drawer and in these little cubbies i've got these really nice pieces of fabric like fat quarters quilting fat quarters things that I've bought like to make masks last year I bought some nice new fat quarters to make masks a friend of mine 
she was going through some fabrics that she needed to sort through and she makes beautiful jackets and quilts and she had a, a wonderful stash of fabric and she didn't need it all so she gave me quite a lot and they're gorgeous fabrics so I've got the same sort of thing these fat quarters but yeah. I'm not a quilter I'm not going to do that but I kept them because they're useful for the linings of book covers okay. <laughs> all those book covers that I make and it, and doing the again it's the teaching isn't it doing workshops yeah. teaching book covers you need to have a fabric to line the inside and my little recycled scraps are too small something like fat quarters yeah. Yeah. a nice piece of fabric there yeah I mean I do use mine I, I mean I do quite a lot of applique so they come in handy but I used to teach a lot in patch workshops and they they're just you know I'm like a magpie with it it's like it's just there <laughs> oh look at those colors and those patterns yeah, I'll just buy a couple of those <laughs> but I've also got this is all in my big Ikea storage unit, a couple of drawers full of shiny, sparkly, sequiny, all sorts of things. And another big drawer just full of trims. And that stems back to the fact that when we first moved to this area, I got involved with the Amdram group, not to act, ah, but to make costumes. Right. And so I used to go through the charity shops looking for anything sparkly that would light well, and so I've still got quite a bit of that sort of stuff that I can't imagine I'm ever going to use, really. But I hang on to it. You never know. <laughs> but you know, that is very much costume fabric. Yeah. You know, and fringing that you'd put on a flapper's dress, you know. <laughs> when am I ever going to use six-inch fringing? <laughs> I've got some fringing that is beads. It's just black, jet black beads on hung on fringe. I found that the other day and thought... When am I ever going to use that? I have some but, small pieces like yeah. that, beautiful beaded fringing, about six inches. And every now and again when I made bags, I mean, we're talking about 15 years ago, more than that, when I made a few bags for craft fairs and things, I would put this special fringing on bags. And then if the bag didn't sell, I'd unpick it and save it. Oh, oh no, I'm not that bad. Because it's so special and lovely. Oh, well, I've got about six foot of this stuff, so maybe, maybe six metres. I don't know. So masses of it on a roll. But that, that's the sort of thing. If I find something like that that is so gorgeous, I then I can't bring myself to use it because it's almost too nice. And if it's recycled, yeah. if it's repurposed, there's only one of it. I can't go and order more or I can't buy more. So we are hoarding a lot of stuff just in case it comes in handy, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got another example. I, and I do occasionally teach rag rugging and I don't do it for myself. I teach for a company called Ragged Life and I just turn up and teach their workshops for them. Sometimes I don't actually need any equipment for that. They provide all the equipment. She provides big bags full of fabrics. Oh, right. She's got all the samples. I don't actually need anything, but I like to have my own samples <laughs> to show that I can do it. Because, you know, you've got to have some credentials and I've got two rag rugs at home on the floor and I do like them and I think maybe one day I'll make some more that's a sort of nice winter project if I haven't got knitting on the go so that's nothing so it's kind of work but not mm -hmm. I have got two of these huge laundry bag style bags oh, wow. full of scraps of fabric and that's where I've bought t-shirts and things at yeah. charity shops and cut them up into strips and wound them up into balls ready for rag rugging tell me about it that I did rag rugging before the machine embroidery when I was, I got this book 
I'll have to find it actually because it's a good one about using fabric scraps. And there was a project uh, about rag rugging, and then I really got into rag rugging, and I've actually got a proper rag rug frame. Oh, have you? Oh, I haven't got that. Yeah. <laughs> so this is about 20, 25 years ago. Well, first of all, Nick made one for me. Uh, some you know bits of wood and some screws and then I bought one and it's a proper nice one with these peg dowels and everything that has been in the loft since the day we moved in you, know, you have to fight to, to get the colors when you're in the middle of a project and you need yellow you need a lot you of need, it yeah you? you need well you need yeah. some so what yeah. I did when I first started getting into it I went to jumble sales and I would go through the jumble sales stash looking for T-shirts in colours, nice, bright yep. coloured T-shirts, because T-shirt fabric is just so good for rag rugging. It's the best yeah. for rag rugging. And then it? I <laughs> wash it. I washed it all and I cut it into pieces and I rolled it into these little rolls and I stored it in plastic boxes and it was all colour coded. So I had, you know, my yellows and my reds and my blues and my yeah. greens. And I had these plastic crates full of it and then they went in the loft when we moved here which is a long time ago now oh mine's um, taking up room in the spare bedroom and I'm keep thinking you know what's the point but you know I'm sort of, I I made a cushion cover and I've made a little rug for the piano but under the the pedals for the piano oh well I did make a rug for our hall here so that I have done it in the last two years so you know it's yeah, and that sits in our hall and another one sits up in the spare bedroom. But but I really, I liked doing it and I would like to do it again. But the thought of, well, two things. Where would I, I don't actually have anywhere where I need to put another rug. Yeah, and it also takes so, up time when you might be doing other things. And have you got that time in your life at the moment? Yeah, see, back when I made the rug for the piano, I did I wasn't doing anything else I had a job full-time job and I would go out to work on a Monday you know and, and that was your hobby on a Friday and the weekend yeah and the weekend was my own and even then it yeah it took quite a long time mm. and that's when I had nothing else to do exactly. and I haven't got anywhere to put any more rugs and yet why can I not get rid of that rag rug frame I have got rid of the t-shirt fabric okay yeah, see, now I haven't got rid of anything like that. I've got all my rag rug stuff. But there's other things I have got rid of. There's other stuff that I've acknowledged I'm never going to do that again. And I got rid of that when we moved. And moving was a great incentive because it, it yes. just used to sit in storage boxes in what was my workroom at home. And I never gave it two thoughts about whether I was going to use it again. But moving made me look at everything and think, are you seriously going to do this again? So I got rid of all my paper making stuff because I decided yeah. I didn't actually like the homemade paper that I made very much. <laughs> and I got rid of all my silk painting stuff, including some frames. Yeah. And I had big boxes of silk paints and all the stuff, paraphernalia that goes with that. And the silk painting yeah. books that were very 1980s, very dated. <laughs> yes. And I think that's another thing as well. There's definitely a season for things, isn't there? There's definite trends and the books as well. Yeah, they date. Um, yeah. I think I would include books and my stuff now as well. I know we talked about books we did, didn't before, we? didn't we? And since then, 
I don't know if I've actually looked at any of my books. For a start, I still can't really get to my bookshelves because I've got my painting table right. in front of them. And I haven't had the time to just sit down and just sort of look through a book. Yeah, I have used one or two of my books since we spoke about books because I've used them for my course and things like that. Yes. So, and I again, I got rid of a lot of books on a lot of old fashioned machine embroidery stuff. I've got a couple of really old ones, the initial ones like Is it Joy Clucas. And I've got a couple of Joy Clucas and yeah. uh, Dorothy. Oh, I can't think of Dorothy. Oh, Benson. That's the one. No, that's yeah. Chris, Christine Benson, was it? No, Christine Benson, someone else. Christine Rice, Christine Risley. I can't remember, but anyway. Risley, Risley. Risley, yeah, maybe that's it. That's it is Dorothy Risley. Benson. I'm Dorothy sure. Benson and Christine Risley, yeah, I've got those. So. Because Dorothy Benson was the one that was that uh, white work sample. Did you have to yes. do that with Pam? Yes. Ooh. White yes. work sample, cut work, wasn't it? It was cut work without using without a zigzag. zigzag. Yeah, yes. just moving your fabric side to side. That was quite something. <laughs> and it was very, very, it was a very precise grid pattern we had to do yeah. with the little circles and all the intersections. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you do one and you think, never again. So when I, I did a row of three. As a sample for City and Guilds and that's it. Never going to do it again. As yeah. a sample for City and Guilds, never going to do it again, which leads us on to City and Guilds samples. The Dorothy Benson sample, which was an absolute, it was, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. I know the effort and the time that's gone into that and the skill that it took to do that, because that yep. was that when we were doing diploma, we did. It was diploma, dog. yes. Yeah. So that's top-notch machine embroidery. But only, only I know that. Yeah, I know it as well. There you are. I'm impressed. Oh, yay. <laughs> But you don't need to look at my sample to, to know. No, because I've got my own sample. Exactly. <laughs> and, and also, I know I did it. Do I need to keep the sample? No, you don't. Who am I trying to impress? And that's a sort of whole question, and it's beyond just our clutter for work, is, you know, do we define ourselves by what we own and what it tells us about ourselves? I mean, that's, a gosh, another whole big, deep psychological issue, isn't it? Well, yeah, exactly. I've put down here in my notes, getting clear about what is essential, what isn't essential, why are we keeping things and being realistic about, well, like the fact I can't do any more rag rugs or it's pointless because I haven't got anywhere to put another rag right. rug. So therefore, if I've also got rid of the T-shirt fabric, I could actually get rid of the frame. You could. I could. Um, and so I think getting clear about this helps us get clear about what it is we want to do. And like you were touching on getting a bit deeper with this, the sort of artists we want to be, the sort of art we want to make. Yeah. It helps us define things and redefine things. I think so. Yeah. So are we going to go and get rid of all our old samples? No, <laughs> because actually, yeah. yeah, the in terms of city and girls, there's all the notes. Those went a long time ago. Any really useful handouts or notes I've probably incorporated into my own sheaf sure. of notes. But the thing is, even when I was teaching a weekly class, if it was adult ed, 
I did do handouts that right. the office would photocopy. But doing my own class, I didn't do handouts because I think handouts are a bit of a crutch for people. Yes. They stop them listening and taking their own notes. No, I mean, I did do handouts when I taught City and Guilds um, and kind of reinvented the wheel a lot of it. I went through all my old ones that I'd done and decided what I needed to use, what I needed to rewrite so that I was teaching the way I wanted to teach. But all the samples and I mounted them all and put them in folders so I had them available for teaching. So I guess that's different because I was teaching City and Guilds. Yes. I had all the diploma samples and I never liked the way we were taught diploma I felt there was a lot I wanted to change about it so I kept some and I just got it all ready I was actually due to be teaching a diploma class when everything went wrong at Missenden Abbey and they stopped the teaching there so and the city and guild stopped so I never did teach diploma but I've still got all those samples yeah see I've I've kept my diploma samples and my certificate samples because there was there was all the notes that was easy to chuck there's all the um, sort of bits and pieces, the finished things we made. I haven't actually got all of those. I've kept my favourites, but some just ended up looking a bit tired, so I chucked them. But the samples, actually, because it was very precise with the certain number of samples we had to have, yeah. and they had to be presented in a certain way, they don't actually take up that much room. No. So I've still got all of those, and I think I've got them all the way through for all the courses that I did. But they're, they're not actually the issue. It's things like I do have a lever arch file. And when I was doing the City and Girls, I ended up with a massive to-do list of things I needed to do to catch up. But I also had a to-do list of things that I wanted to explore more. Did you ever do it? And things that <laughs> I'd half started. No, and I have a lever arch file full of these half started things still from city and guilds and there's a little note in each little plastic pocket saying oh i'm going to do this with this and this with that i could probably throw those away now couldn't i yeah i I was just going to give you a bit of good advice and say just throw them you will never do it now we did city and guilds far too long ago because i had things like that right oh i really love this as a yeah i love this i want want to do a bit more of that i'll get back to that doesn't happen if you don't do it it's like you know when they people say you know if you go through your wardrobe and if you've not worn anything in the past year you might as well get rid of it you're not going to wear it and it's the same, you know, go through your stuff. And if you haven't done that idea or followed it up, you're not really ever going to do it because we're on to the next thing. There's something new, always something new. Yes. And I think that was another thing. See, this this topic does go over so many different areas of what we sort of talked about before. So talking about teaching as well, yeah. that thing where we had a workshop booked, say, next year. Yep you had to keep all the little bits and pieces and also the materials you need so that when next year comes around, you're going off to teach that workshop, you've still got all the stuff for it. Sure. So for example, I've got a box um, of wire and bits and pieces because I used to teach this workshop where we made things out of wire. I've got a box of wire and metals and all sorts of stuff. But, you know, it, it does melt up. I mean, you know, there's a lesson here. I When I was sort of involved heavily with the Embroiderers Guild, we had one of our older members die and her son had asked, could a couple of us go and help clear us his the stuff because he just didn't know what to do with it. And there was a room absolutely full of threads and fabrics and wires. And she used to teach as well. Yeah. So similar situation. And we brought it all back to where we used to meet and we sorted it all. And we did sell a lot and raise a lot of money, which was lovely. And I bought a lot and kept a lot. 
and you think but just that going through everything that you've kept just in case and you don't and it's it's sad to it's see those sad. materials unused yeah it is sad and I think that's the other thing about having stuff okay you decide you're going to declutter and get rid of it where does it go that has been actually very difficult this past year yes. so not only in the studio with getting rid of things in this room but also in the house generally because we obviously haven't got a garage anymore because I'm in the garage this is my studio yes I have so, a studio instead of a garage as well yeah, yay yeah things we've decluttered from the house there's been nowhere to put them and charity shops haven't been accepting things oh. our local one I think at the depot now they will accept things but you have to phone in advance and say oh. what it is and I haven't I can't be bothered to go through it all and go through these bags and say well what's in here I can't remember and you um, don't just throw it away either do you no I don't want to throw it away so we've got these random bags stashed in cupboards around the house so I can't actually declutter any more until I've been able to get rid of the stuff that I've already yeah decided I don't so that has been very difficult actually um, but also the being busy I've been too busy doing especially for the last month or so yeah. too busy doing all the things to actually have that concentrated time to go through things and say do I need this yeah or can I lose this now so we don't have any solutions really do we <laughs> Well, in terms of going back to the fabric, because um, yeah. I mentioned I had those uh, cubbies, the little storage cubes. Yeah. I Because this is a garage, it's a single garage, it's the size of a single garage, and I can only fit in this room what will fit in this room in terms of storage space. It's, it is oh. limited. And I have two chests of drawers for fabric. And basically, if it doesn't fit in there, I really should get rid of it. Right. So that is a natural, I do have a natural limit. So I can't go and buy more storage. They always say this, don't they? Um, with decluttering, you know, don't buy more storage, no. get rid of stuff. So you yeah. don't need as much storage. So that is something that I am quite good about. Um, and once my storage and the pulley out trolleys, once they're at capacity, then, you know, something has to give. Yeah, I mean, mine is pretty much at capacity as well. But then I do worry that I've got these big storage cubes that are full of different fabrics. And I do go through them and have a sort out every so often. But then you forget what's at the bottom of some of them and it just stays there stored. And yes, taking up room. and I think that's another key is putting stuff where you can see it. Yeah, that really helps. And then if it if it is in the back of the cupboard or the bottom of a drawer and it's going to be a fiddle, to get at it it won't get used so one thing I did with my fabrics it took ages but it was so worth doing all my little pieces of fabric I've um Marie Kondo'd them right I folded them and I store them vertically <laughs> and where they're too small to stand up because it's just tiny little scraps or there's lots of different scraps of this one fabric I've got it's not very eco-friendly, but I did go and get lots of little grip seal bags, okay. poly bags, so clear bags, and they all stand upright. And so I open the fabric drawer and I can more or less see where all the different fabrics are because they're all standing up vertically. Nothing gets buried underneath. Right. See, I have done that with my patchwork fabrics, folded them, even ironed them all 
Oh my goodness. Mark. This was just a, obviously I had a afternoon where I was bored and <laughs> put them all in. But then when I start to use them and I pull them out and that's where I find it hard, this clutter then in mid use, I grab something else and pull something else out. And I've got little bags for the small scraps like you, where I've got all the blue scraps together and all the green scraps. Oh, yours are colour coordinated. Mine aren't. Yeah. And then neat. I just throw them back in the drawer. So it all needs sorting out again. <laughs> and I think, well, what was the point of that? You know, it's just, and then everything needs ironing before you use it. And I don't do that. I posted something on Instagram. the other Was it last week? I don't Yes. Know. Yes. Yeah. Dirty great crease down the middle of this fabric. Like, and when I started, I thought I should iron this really before I start, but I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> I mean, it basically, it's sounding like all this stuff. While we think we're holding on to it because it makes us feel secure that if we ever wanted to make a book cover and we've got some nice fabric to line it, it it's sort of a security blanket, but I suppose ultimately it's actually making life difficult for us, yes, isn't it? It is, yeah. And maybe we just need life events to make us move on. I mean, I've pretty much come to the decision. I'm not going to accept any new face-to-face -face teaching. I will continue with the online stuff for a while because I quite enjoy it. But I am phasing out to retiring and maybe spending a lot more time painting. Um, I think the textiles are going to be less part of my life so maybe then that's an incentive to go through that yeah but then you know yeah. it's those samples like you say where you've done some beautiful work that you hang on to and you hang on to it because it almost proves to yourself that you can do it and you think well why does that matter it doesn't why does it matter yeah and I think there is something that's probably worth looking into I haven't but I've heard of it which is this Swedish death cleaning Sure. And I think it's the idea, I, like I say, I'm not entirely sure, but I think the gist of it is you think about what your family would have to go through yeah. when you are gone. And I think it's that thought, if my daughter or my husband had to go through this, would they thank me? Definitely <laughs> um, not. Definitely <laughs> not. Yeah, and I think that was brought home to me when we had to sort this embroidery Guild members stuff out for the family. And it took sort of two or three of us several days to sort it all out and it's you know a huge job and we're people who knew what was a value and what was useful yes I did actually say this to one of my sons this is son number three Joe about okay. you know when I'm gone and you've got to sort all this stuff out I just said to him just dump it all huh? <laughs> because and he goes not the sewing machines they're worth a bit aren't they <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there we go <laughs> but yeah so I think actually getting clear about things and this year has been a big period of change hasn't it in terms it has, of how we yeah. work yeah. so I've also been making more samples because I've got a workshop on Saturday which was a prior commitment yeah. and it's by zoom but it doesn't really make any difference because I still have to have the here's one I did here's a finished one here's a part right. way through I need to have something that I can stitch on so again, I've been churning out these various samples and then having done that, then what do I do with them? Especially when you've got them all in the different stages. and Yeah, so in a way that's then tempting to keep and think, oh, that's a little workshop. I've done all the work. It's all there ready to go because it's something that I was asked to teach. It's not necessarily something that I would want to do. 
so again like you though I'm thinking do I want to do this so like this is a prior commitment I'm not necessarily looking for bookings to do this as a regular thing so if you're Um, going to teach that particular workshop again you don't need those samples again no no this is comes on to so what do you do with all this old bits of stuff that have finished and done well you can cut those up and put them on cards when I saw that sample that you've done I thought that's pretty that'd make a nice card (laughs) yes it's it's a bit big but yes Yes, I might type of thing isn't it or maybe yeah frame it yeah yeah, I'll put it on a piece of yeah. outboard, put it in a cellophane bag and I'll put it in my Etsy shop. Sure. And that's probably what I'll do with these other bits and pieces, you know, the other smaller samples I'm doing for this workshop. Yeah. But yeah. And so big pieces of work that you finished. Gosh, what yeah. Do you do with those? You had yeah. your big piece on a canvas that you were going to take off. and yep, paint. That was nice. Large. That was a hanging. Yes, I'm going to reuse that canvas for a painting. I don't know what I'll do with the felted piece that comes off of it. Not a lot, really. I'll probably get folded up and put in a drawer. But my big one is for my, was it diploma I did it? Maybe it was. I can't remember. I did some corsets for City and Guilds. And then I developed some more after finishing. So I've got five corsets on tailor's dummies. Now, in the house we were in before, it was a big house. Um, one of them stood in the corner of the dining room because the colours matched the colours. <laughs> for a while, I had this bodice for Marie Antoinette with my big cake wig on a stand in my hall. We had a big hall and that always used to be there for open studios. And then the others were up in a bedroom. So I used to do a talk called The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, where I spoke about the women that had inspired these corsets and then the work and techniques that went into it, etc. And that was quite a good talk. I mean, that's winding down. I don't think I'll probably give that talk again. And then we moved and these dummies with their corsets are now all up in our loft here in this house. <laughs> Why? Why do I need five tailors dummies? I don't. <laughs> I don't even use them for dressmaking. So so yeah so then it's it's making that decision isn't it yeah and it's it's getting to that point where keeping them is more of a negative thing than the idea of getting rid of them it's that balance that tipping point and I I think I've put them in plastic bags in the loft just in case I do this talk again now how long do I have to go not giving this talk before I realize that it's not going to happen yeah difficult one because they're outside in the loft so I don't it doesn't actually clutter my head the fact that I can't see them yes yes <laughs> yeah and so like me with my rag rug frame I obviously decided I wasn't going to do rag rug I got rid of the fabrics but the frame it's because it was a little bit of an investment and it's a nice one yeah but you could sell that this is another thing isn't it I can sell it and I should sell it and somebody would like to buy it except it's finding that place it's finding that person it's so ebay (laughs) but then again if it's been in my loft for over 20 years it is it you know it's not out of mind because it's there at the back of my mind i haven't touched it even if i just took it to a charity shop someone's going to find a fantastic bargain in a charity shop after i have donated that yeah it's it's no use to me at all the money has gone the money went 20 odd years ago that's an important yeah. thing I think with decluttering you know you've spent the money you've had the use you can't yeah and that does hold you back even even if the use was just that comfort of having it there yeah. even if you haven't actually used it the money has gone that moment has passed 
the idea has drifted away you can't remember why you got it in the first place and it is so tempting to yeah try and sell things on ebay or put things on facebook marketplace but then it's the hassle isn't it of dealing with all the inquiries all the tire kickers yeah yeah but I think that does hold you back sometimes with decluttering the thought that you've spent a lot of money on something. And so, you know, it was valuable. I can't just get rid of it. Well, of course you can get rid of it because you've had the use. It's just decide. All it is, is just deciding. It's a decision. Yeah. yeah you've, I, that, that, so that's, I think, a good conclusion in some ways that we look at our stuff. Are you ever going to use it? Do you need it? You don't need it to define you. Get rid of it. And also, I think, I think, yeah, in a more positive way, it's about finding the definition of ourselves outside of the stuff. Yeah. But who we are in terms of our attitude to our art. So if I'm all about recycling and using reclaimed things, I should be able to make art with whatever I can find. And with what you've got. Yes. Yeah. But not. Well, when you say with what I've got, but with whatever happens to be there. Yeah. Because otherwise I get precious about keeping these little scraps, the what I've got. Um, But also looking more positively by getting rid of this stuff. The stuff itself creates that mental clutter because it's at the back of our mind. It's rattling around in there. Getting rid of it would then clear our minds as well. And we would just feel a lot happier, calmer not pulled in so many directions okay. no guilt i can see a little no shoulds a little challenge coming up here oh heck that went a bit far didn't it you did go a bit far there that'll teach you you know <laughs> right <laughs> when are we going to do this clear out do you know what we should do when we can i should come and visit you and go through your stuff with you and say out 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 and then you should come here and do it with mine looks <laughs> that's terrifying isn't it it is but no I seriously I am up for it because I I do want to get to it when I Mm. when this seascapes is up and running I am seriously up for a declutter yeah I mean I I did a quite a good clear out of my studio but a lot of it was just tidying up because I'm really moving things so it's neater that's with open studios in mind Do we have the solutions? Well, some ideas. We would love to hear other people's ideas for getting rid of your stuff or organising your stuff or what you do with it. And have you ever regretted getting rid of stuff? Have you ever really regretted getting rid of any of your... I'm not talking about other stuff. So there's a few things in my personal life that I decluttered that I regret. In terms of stuff in this room materials supplies have I ever regretted getting rid of anything that I have can't think of anything no I can't think of anything nothing at all really I mean maybe I might have had a moment where I thought oh where's that oh no I got rid of that but no not even the books the other day there was something I think it's the first time ever I've regretted something and even then is it really a thing or is it just because I saw something on Instagram transfer paints for doing prints so like leaves and things i've still got a box of those (laughs) 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 yay i've managed to declutter something that hasn't yeah but i i last used them two or three years ago yeah so i I don't use many um synthetic fabrics i use mostly cottons right so i thought even if i had the paints i haven't got anything to print onto 
apart from that enormous stash of organza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> okay, I think let's leave it there, shall we? If we touch on this subject again in the autumn, it would be nice to have an update, wouldn't it? How are we doing? Have we yeah. cleared anything yet? Okay, we will report back on yes. our stuff. Yeah, we'll do another one on stuff. Yeah, a future episode, we'll report okay. back. Okay, diversions and discoveries. Have you found anything this week that's inspiring or interesting? Or What it is, I mean, I don't think I've just discovered it this week. I was aware of it, but I've kind of got into it this week. This was with my allotment and the no-dig gardening. And there's a chap called Charles Dowding who has these this famous no dig garden and he's got loads of youtube videos so i've been watching those and trying to collecting cardboard to cover my weeds and then i'm going to get some compost to cover that and that's going to get rid of all the weeds without using any chemicals or fantastic because when i went to look at it with the lady who showed me around and she says oh you can't spray because you have to have a special permit but you might be able to get one i went i'm not going to spray anything I said, I'm going to go no dig. And oh, that's interesting. So that's been my little diversion for me. Do you have to dig to start with before you can be no dig? No, no. What's there on my plot at the moment is a lot of grass, probably couch grass, which is not very nice. And there's some weeds. So first job is to mow it or cut it down so that it's not really high. And then because there's a lot of weeds, I shall cover it with cardboard. You don't necessarily yep. have to have cardboard. So it's got to be brown cardboard. It can't be shiny or printed. Okay. And that will decompose. And then you cover it with quite a thick layer of compost. So there's a, an initial investment that you have to buy a lot of compost or yeah. get it from somewhere. It can be rotted manure. It can be anything like that. So you probably yeah. put about between four to six inches of compost on it. And in fact, he says you can then plant straight into that if you want to. So I can plant immediately. And the worms and all the lovely things in the soil will come up and eat the cardboard and it'll just, yeah. And the weeds don't like it, so they don't come back. Fantastic. So, and he said the weeds are then very manageable. You can just pull them out as they appear. So it's worth giving it a try because I yeah. don't want to dig this plot because digging breaks up the soil and the structure of the soil and all the microorganisms that live in the soil and everything else. So I will report back on that in the autumn as well. Excellent. We just got rid of our garden compost bin um, because we've stopped growing veggies and things like that. What was in the bottom, I sieved. Yeah, so it'd be good stuff then. <laughs> yeah, so I sieved it through and it is gorgeous. Yeah. But it it was so interesting going through it. It's like going back in time, thinking, gosh, we did eat a lot of avocados. Yeah, because the skins and stones of those don't break down, do they? They just don't break down <laughs> at all cursing all these avocados <laughs> having to pick it all out so I used to love making compost I, I did a big project actually a, a stitched project where I had made these huge flags for garden organic I don't know how I got involved in that and wow all around Cambridgeshire on different sites and I worked with community groups to produce these flags they designed them and hung them up yeah where they were promoting organic gardening and, fantastic yeah so I learned all about compost while I was doing that. Yeah. They sent me lots it of is magic. Oh, yeah. You put all this rubbish in and you get this beautiful black crumbly stuff. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Black gold, isn't it? They call it. It is. Yeah. 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 So that's what I'm excited about, really. Very. It is exciting. Good. Yeah. So I think that was all. Yes. 
Okay, so I have got just a very small one. Just I have found someone on Instagram who does really nice. I think it's mostly vegan recipes It's called Mira Soda. Okay. And there she does recipes for the Guardian. And if you click through the link, they're all there. And the recipe this week was um, it was spaghetti with tomatoes. And you're supposed to grate the tomatoes, which I dutifully did and thought this is a bit of a faff, isn't it? Oh, I've done grated tomatoes for something. I'm trying to think what. So I did that. And then you have to make a homemade pesto, which was wonderful. So it was this wonderful vegan spaghetti recipe. And so I added prawns to it. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. Like you do. But it was gorgeous. It was really nice. So, And also I was after quick because I'm, I'm busy, busy. Sure. I haven't got. So there I was grating my tomatoes, cursing this recipe. It wasn't as quick as I wanted, but it was very nice. It doesn't take that long to grate them, though, does it? Really? No. 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 Some of them were a bit small. All oh, right. No, you need Should big ones. bigger tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, but the whole her whole feed is just so sort of oh yummy 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 yummy. Oh, I just right, want to okay. cook all of it. Check that one out. Like I need yeah. more recipes at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's another form of clutter and stuff. Oh gosh, don't. No, I know. <laughs> Let's not go there. I have folders and folders of clipped out <laughs> recipes. Actually, I have a couple of books, and when I've used a clipped out recipe that I like, and I'm going to do it again, I stick it in my book my purple book and joe who i mentioned before said when you go that book's mine <laughs> so i it's know that's fine yes yeah, yeah. So it's got all my scribbles on it and it's splashed with food and everything oh that's yeah. perfect have you ever read five quarters of an orange yes yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah and that's one of the books i've never thrown away and it's still sitting on my bookshelf <laughs> us i think i think that is us so thank you very much for listening we hope you've enjoyed it i'm not sure we've given you many tips for clutter but and stuff but i hope we have please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode and it would be lovely if you could leave us a review because it does help others find us we'll be back in a couple of weeks time where we'll be talking about and i've got a big question mark (laughs) because i don't think we've decided again have we no we have not decided In the meantime, you can find us at isabelmore.co.uk and ginaferrari-art.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bye. I don't want to hang around wait till july so no, i'm starting start June. Hand. yeah which means i can't log my steps on the website until july i don't think and then you can have one day where you just log where i do <laughs> 280,000 steps <laughs> no, <Regina. laughs>